Welcome to the Clubhouse with Mark Allen and Julian Bayard. Yeah, good day, everyone, and welcome to the Clubhouse. Great to have your company right across Australia, wherever you might be tuning in on this big week of golf as the weather starts to warm up and everyone is out on the golf course. My name's Julian Bayard. Great to have your company right around Australia. No Mark Allen today, so we're going to be taking a bit of a look back at some of our favourite bits of the Clubhouse so far in 2017. We're going to be having a look at some of Marco's lists from so far this year. Some of the first best first impressions of a golf course when you rock up. What do you first see? Marco gave his top five as well as his top five clubhouses. That's all to come very, very shortly. If you get the yips over a putt, Marco has a problem, has an answer to fix those problems. Some of the most annoying things on a golf course, Marco will have a look at that and plenty of Marco's masterclasses as well to help your golf game if you are out on the golf course this weekend. But first, Marco, earlier on this year, had a look at, well, his favourite golf courses in two parts. The first part you'll hear is the first impressions when you rock up to a golf course. The best things you see, you roll up, it's amazing. What do you look at? What's the best thing you see? Mark Allen, his top five. He had a look at that earlier this year. Let's take a listen back. So what I want to know from you, because you've played everywhere around the world, you've been to some of the best golf courses and seen things. I want to know the best five first up. When you just roll into a course, when you're rolling, and you go jaw drop. Wow! Oh my god! The rolling joint, right? Yeah. All right. So we'll start at number five yep. for the rolling of golf courses. Uh-huh. Now this one is an unusual one because you know you're going to somewhere special. You're going to one of the best in the world. See the one or two every single year, mm-hmm. but the roll up is so crap that it just doesn't make sense (laughs) that you're turning up at Pine Valley. Pine Valley. It feels like you're in the middle of suburbia, just outside of Pennsylvania. Yep. You couldn't even imagine the golf courses there, but you know, you know, you've polished your shoes up. The clubs don't have one bit of dirt. You go in the Pine (laughs) Valley to play, and you just can't, you're still excited. Yeah. But the roll-up. You wouldn't even know the golf course is there, so it's kind of a backwards <laughs> tick for Pine Valley. Oh, good. It's so understated. It's so ridiculously nothing that it's something. Nice. Number four, New South Wales Golf Club in La Perouse. You're just curling around. Mm-hmm. You get up to the top. You open up. Just magnificent. One nice. of the greats. One of the nice. best experiences in this country. Yep. Royal Melbourne, like Ooh, you said. Number three. So many of us have turned right or left the wrong way. <laughs> When you go down Cheltenham Road and you get to turn left or right the right way yep. and you go through past the tennis courts and past the oh, little croquet venue <laughs> and there's a little rot- rotary hoe, just one little thing there. And if you read the plaque, it said this is what the golf course was carved out with. You see the pro shop. You see the big uh, – it's just magnificent. The clubhouse, only about 15 years old. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's been there for yeah, 150 years. Yeah. So they've done such a great job. Then you, you drift around the car park and you see the driving range and just the mm. people hitting and you just can't wait to get out of yep. the car <laughs> and get rolling. So that's number three. Yep. The old course at St Andrews. Ooh. There's not really a, a roll-up. You know, normally you stay in the St Andrews town and it's more of a walk-up. Right. And then you go past the Dunvegan Hotel on the corner and you turn around that corner and you can see the old clubhouse mm-hmm. and you can see basically the corner of the of the uh, 18th green and then yep. you see all the old Tom Morris nice. golf club pro shops and nice. you know they've been there for 350 years <laughs> and then you get down there and you see the clubhouse just sensational but without a doubt 
the greatest roll-up in golf. Yeah. If you're lucky enough to go down this lane, you know you're a superstar or you know it's going to be an awesome day that not many get to do. Yep. You trip down Magnolia Drive. That's it. I don't know. At Augusta National. <laughs> that would be it. I've never done it. Yep. But I'm still going to I've peered down there yeah. a number of times. <laughs> That is the greatest. Even though, like Washington Road, you know Washington Road, it, the golf course is on. You turn off Washington Road into Magnolia Drive. Yep. Washington Road is like the Nepean Highway <laughs> down here in Melbourne. Yeah. Like just the busy. It's like it's a three lane either side, and just oh mate, ridiculous. But if you get to turn left down Magnolia Lane, nice. A big tick. Beautiful. Nice list, Marco. There it is. When you first roll up at a golf course, Mark Allen, the top five in the world. An impressive list. Up next, the top five clubhouses in the world of golf. What did Mark Allen rate at number one? And there's a surprise in this top five. Have a listen. Top five. Top five again. Clubhouses in the world of golf. Great clubhouses. Yes. It's all for different reasons. Mm -hmm. All for different reasons. And there might be a few of the same from the roll-ups. But the clubhouse... Regardless, yeah, we've got a golf course down here built by Tom Doak. Yes. Called St Andrews Beach. Mm-hmm. It's without doubt one of the great golf courses that we have in the country. That's right. But it doesn't have a clubhouse. It's got a little tin shed. <laughs> so the clubhouse <laughs> is so important for what we do. Yep. You know, it's it's part of the experience. It now, is. St Andrews Beach, it's still a top 10 venue and it's public access and you've got to get down and play. But if it had a clubhouse of note, St Andrews Beach would go into the top three in the country. Yep. It needs it. So whoever runs it, and they're good, very good friends of ours. Just quickly, we love the, it. What's the backstory there, Marco, as to why there isn't a clubhouse? A lot of the people probably play there and go, what's this well, all about? Oh, there was originally supposed to be two Tom Dyke courses there. In fact, there was going to be three. He was going to model it on the Royal Melbourne model to where, let's just say you had an east course and a west course, and he put, built and modelled in a composite course around the clubhouse. Now, the way he was going to do it is the course that's there, it's a very friendly golf course. Mm-hmm. The other course was going to be the same, a very member-friendly golf course. But the way he constructed it, that it was going to be a real bear of a golf course. You know, some of the par fives were going to be changed to par fours. Right. It was going to be a, and you can still see the plan when you go into the clubhouse that's there at the moment. You've got to look for it. It's up, there's a picture of it up on the wall. And there is actually three cards of how the golf was going to play. So... Originally, they had memberships there. They had to sell the memberships to, and once they were selling the memberships, they were going to build the golf course. It didn't work out that way. Uh, not enough members joined, and they never built the second course, which is a travesty because Tom Doak, who I interviewed uh, a long time ago, told me that the second course was going to be the best course. Then they tried to get the second course up and going not long ago, and that fell through as well. So yeah. they didn't quite get the memberships for that one also. So there is an all-world golf course just sitting there waiting to be built that probably will never be built. It's a real shame. It's a, shame. It's a real shame. Hang but on. the one that's there at the moment, yes, yeah, mate, Tom Doak is the Tiger Woods of golf course architects <laughs> in the world. If you haven't played it, make sure you get down and play it. Fortunately, there's no clubhouse, but what's there is okay. Yeah, What's there is okay. Um, right. so the best clubhouses and ex- clubhouse experience in the world. Number five, Augusta National. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get in there. Yep. I stole, I got in there, I've been in there twice, stole a menu once because the menu was so crap. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And I wanted to show people. It was like hamburgers and fries, just garbage, cheese fries. Yep. You know, nothing that we're accustomed to. If you get into a Royal yeah. Melbourne or Kingston Heath or Royal Sydney, just 
crap. Yeah. But if you get in there, it's a special day. That's right. So Augusta National makes it. At number four. Number four. This is the controversial one. Ooh. Box Hill Golf Club. Box Hill Golf Club? Now, the, the reason... That's fourth best clubhouse in the world. Experience. What? Golf clubhouse experience. Now, Box Hill gets in there because the Whitehorse Shire is a dry shire. But the only place you can get a beer oh. is at the Box Hill Golf Course. <laughs> Hang on a second. And because of that, when you go down on a Friday afternoon... And the community is there, and there's this beautiful six-toll right in front of you. Everyone stands around. There is a group of gentlemen who take this one table and chair every week. That is known as the table of knowledge. <laughs> if you're lucky enough to get on the table of knowledge, you, sol- you solve the world's problems. Yeah. But just where Box Hill is, it's a great community course. I do want to leave these, this type of thing out. Mm. And for whatever reason, Jules... The beer coming out of the taps oh. at Box Hill Golf Club. There is nothing better in this world. <laughs> so the beer and the community aspect of one of the great clubs in the world mm-hmm. makes it to number four. Then that's a that's an extraordinary entrance. It's higher than Augusta. Think about that. And the other thing is, it's got a little TAB machine in there, and you can sit there, and you can put your quaddie in after your round of golf. How many golf clubs have that, that Jules? That is a good point. So it's a community place. The beer tastes great. The overlook, this beautiful hole, probably the best hole on the golf course. And you can put a quaddie on any time you like. Great place. Number three, Royal Sydney. Oh, fair step up. One of the greats ever. (laughs) One of the great clubhouses, <laughs> and one of the great, on. and one of the most magnificent clubs so that me, we have in the country. Let me get this straight: you've gone Augusta National, yes, Box Hill. I told you why, though. Royal Sydney, correct, <laughs> correct. Uh, number two, you play there on Sunday, Royal Melbourne. Mm-hmm. It's just a beautiful place. It's got its own little museum in there when you walk past and you yep. see clubs of old to clubs now and what they used to look like. If you get upstairs, they've got the magnificent snooker tables, which uh-huh. are just so cool. Yep. They're so good. You know what? The balcony's unreal. You know what I used on Sunday? What? The telephone room. I was so oh, scared of using my mobile. <laughs> I went into the telephone room to make a phone, quick phone call after the round. It's only about 15 <laughs> or 20 years old. I think they built it. Oh, they might have built it for the... First President's Cup. So was that make it 20 years old? Yep. 1997. It, it is a great experience. And you know what they did to make the course look old? When they first built it and the tiles looked a little bit shiny and new, mm-hmm. they threw, uh, what do you call it? The yogurt all over. Oh. All over the roof and it molded up. Really? So the molded <laughs> look on top is due to yogurt. It nice. looks like it's been there for 100 years. Perfect position. Great joint. But number one. Yep. The greatest clubhouse and clubhouse experience in the whole world. In again, in my view, Pebble Beach. Nice, magnificent. You walk yes. through, you, you you're treated and regarded as royalty for the time that you stay there. And mm-hmm. it's a 15 mile drive, I think it is. See the 13 mile drive or 15 mile drive. Um, you finish your round and you sit in front of these fire pits and drink cold Coronas. Nice. And they bring out the blankies for you and you just sit there and you watch what is going on on the last. It's magnificent. The breakfast is sensational. All the trophy rooms, unbelievable. History dripping off the walls. Yep. And one of the greatest clubhouse experiences you'll ever have. Nice. Good lists, Marco. Thank Good you, Good lists. It's Box Hill Golf Club. Whoa, you must be on the payroll there, I reckon. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm telling you, it's one of the great clubhouse experiences you'll ever, ever, 
ever see. Do we have to declare that? <laughs> Not at this stage. There he is, the top five clubhouses in the world of golf, according to the great Mark Allen. We've got to get to a break. Still plenty more to come on the clubhouse. We're taking a look back at some of our favourite bits of 2018. Mark Allen taking a well-deserved week off. He'll be back in the studio next week. Up next, if you've got the yips over the putter, well, you don't want to miss this next segment. Stick around. This is the clubhouse right across Australia. You're listening to The Clubhouse with Mark Allen and Julian Bayard. Yeah, welcome back. It is The Clubhouse right across Australia. Mark Allen, Julian Bayard. Well, Marco's on holiday, so we thought we'd take a look back at some of our favourite bits so far in 2017. And, well, we've all been there. You putt so well on the practice screen, and then you go out onto the first hole, the first green, and it all falls apart. How do you solve it? Mark Allen, he gave us all the answers earlier on this year. Let's take a listen back. Tell me this. Yeah. When you get on the second green and you've got to putt a 10-footer for birdie or an 8-footer for birdie or an 8-footer for par, how exact do you try to be with alignment? Probably spot on. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got the same 8-footer on the putting green, do yeah. you try to be exact well, with alignment? And this is the thing. I When you're putting on the practice screen, you don't even line it up. You just go, it feels like I'm going to hit it about there. Correct. And you make so many more putts on the practice screen yeah. by not lining it up, yeah. not lining the marker yeah. on your ball up, yeah. not thinking about the, how, the, what the gradient of the green is Correct. or anything. You just hit it. Correct. So here's the thing. When you, go, when you, when you are practice putting, mm. most people just plonk the putter face behind the ball yeah. and trust that it's right. Trust is so important when you putt. When you are on that putting green and there are no, I don't know, it doesn't matter if, if you win, you know, if it goes in or if it doesn't go in, you, you just get up on the putting green, you set your feet parallel the way you think the putt's going to roll, yep. and you just plonk the putter face behind the ball. I call it just plonking. Mm. The, best, the best putters going around are plonkers. They just go plonk, and they trust that it's right. Yep. Not only do they do that on the practice green, they do that on the 72nd hole, when you're paying for a million bucks, mm. they plonk it. And this is what I was talking about before with Kevin Chappell. He didn't go, he didn't take the extra time to be exact with that last putt that he had. He plonked the putter head down as he normally does, had a bit of a look. Yep. His feet were already set in position. And just like I promise you on the putting green, away he went. So, what most golfers do, and professionals as well, and point in case, our very own Adam Scott. When I watch Adam Scott, when he comes down here, he gets on the practice putting green, they all go in because he puts his feet down, he plonks the blade down, and he trusts. Yet when I watch him on the telly under pressure, he doesn't put his feet down first. He takes too long yeah. to line the damn thing up with he the does. finger and then yeah. the alignment. And then, then once he's fiddled around with the alignment of the face, then he puts the feet down. Yep. It's totally different to what he does before he actually plays. Yeah, and you're so spot on. Here it is. Here's the, here's the big. Why would you practice one way mm. and then under pressure do it totally differently? Yep. So to everybody who is out there listening, take note next time of what you do on the practice screen. Because I promise you, most people just, they, they see their putt, they walk in, they put their feet down first, and they go, that's about right. Yeah. Then they put the putter face behind the ball. They go, that's about right. Mm. Then they have one look. Yep. They, they come they back. They feel it with their feet. And they, they might look have at another it. look just to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then they just go. Yep. So this is going to sound ridiculous. But in putting, 
no matter whether you're on the putting green or whether you're on the 72nd hole with a big putt, putting for the Masters, near enough is good enough. Yep. Plonk your feet down. Plonk the putter head down. And if you're off, you're off. Start again. Yeah. But plonk and plonk. Plonk the feet. Plonk the putter face. Yep. Then all you worry about from that moment onwards is making a rhythmical stroke, mm. the right backswing length, just like you do on the practice putting green, and just, you know, basically keep your head still the way you go. And it's so true because when you're on the, say, the second green, mm. you take a look behind the ball, you line it up with the marker, you've yeah, got your Pro-V1, you've got your Pro-V1 arrows or your exact. TP, whatever, you know, and you go, oh, hang on, I'm about half a degree off here, mm. so I'll go back and I'll fix it. And mm. then you go, well, hang on, I've got to have my four practice strokes behind yep. the ball and, yep. you know, line it up properly. Yep. And then you step up and you go, you look at it and you try and, try and be relaxed and you hit it. But then... I find that when mm. I just, if you step up and just hit a putt, more of them go in Correct. than the ones where you align it perfectly yeah. right every time. So this is the thing. You, you can exact yourself out of the out game. Of the game. Yeah, it's so true. You can because they're trying to be exact yep. and trying to, you know, you're not shooting a gun at a tiny little target where you have to be exact. Mm. You know, and those guys at the Olympics or if the bow and arrow guys, they're shooting, they're pulling triggers between breaths. That's where they're at. Yeah. We're not at that level in golf. Not that I know of. No. I don't know anybody in the golfing world who is pulling the trigger between heartbeats. Yeah. <laughs> like like a sniper does from five <laughs> kilometers. Or at yeah. least the ones on TV that I watch. All the yeah. movies that I watch, they're shooting in between heartbeats and <laughs> crap like that. Which is garbage. Yeah. In golf, just like you do on that putting green. This is the best thing about golf. Next time you get on that putting green before you play, just take note of what you do. Yeah. Because I agree. I, I'm with you. I'm I'm guilty of it. God, I hit some good putts on the practice screen. I'm know. guilty of it. I'm guilty. I, I know I'm guilty of it. I try to be exact, particularly yeah. if you play well early. Yeah. And every putt is life and death. Yeah. You can't be. No, you're right. you got to become a, a plonker. I'm so glad we had this conversation because the next round I play, but you're going to be a plonker. I'm going to be a plonker. I'm just going to step up and go, oh, well, I think that's where it's going, and I'm going to hit it. Near enough is good enough. Yep, and try and two-putt and knock yep. it in. It's completely against – what was that What was that movie, um, A Beautiful Mind? Who was an Australian Russell New Zealander? Crow. Russell Crowe. Yeah. The guy in that movie, mm. he won a Nobel Prize. Is it a Nobel Prize? Which is the one for science? I think it is yeah, a Nobel Prize. Right. Yeah. For basically a near enough is good enough policy. Yeah. Remember when he's in the bar and <laughs> – the girl or the beautiful girl comes in and all the guys are attracted to the beautiful girl. And because everyone's attracted to the beautiful girl, no one gets the beautiful girl. too much competition. So if everybody focuses on number two, then everybody wins. That's a good analogy, Mark. <laughs> so this is exactly the same when you putt. Yep. You don't have to hit the perfect putt all the time. Yep. It doesn't work well. It doesn't work in golf. No. Near enough is good enough and be a plonker. Plonk your feet down where you think what you think is right. Yep. Plonk the putter face down where you think is right. Have a couple of looks. Keep your head still. Fingers crossed. Boom. Going to take a break. Plenty more Clubhouse still to come right after this. You're listening to The Clubhouse with Mark Allen and Julian Bayard. Yeah, welcome back. It is The Clubhouse across Australia. Julian Bayard is my name. If you ever do want to podcast this show, of course, you can download the podcast on iTunes. Just search for The Clubhouse Golf Show and all the links are there to every show that we have recorded ever. You can listen back to the full library. No ad breaks. Just listen back whenever you want. Now, Marco, 
Well, he enjoys a toasted cheese sandwich when he plays golf. And earlier on this year, he rocked up to a golf course and he wasn't able to get one. So he listed, as you do, the top five things at a golf course that annoy him. Take it away, Marco. The top five. Top five dumb things at golf courses. Yeah. Can we do it? If you're at yes. a golf course anywhere in the whole world and yep. you can't get a toasted sandwich Ooh. after the round yep. or any toasted sandwich you like, yep. like you can make it up. If you can't get it, that golf club you should never play again. <laughs> Ever. Ever. I love it. I love I'm it. I'm serious. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. That is number five. Number five. All right. Number five. All right. All right. What's your, what you going to say? I'm going to have a top five list. All right. Yeah. Of, of the so most stupid things at golf courses. Toasties currently. number five. All right. If What's you can't four? get a toasty and there yep. are plenty of golf clubs, then that's number five. Yeah, number four. Number four, especially in this country where we've been building golf courses on small blocks of land for a long time. And yes. in the past, crazy committee members have been planting trees two paces off the edge of the fairway. Mm-hmm. If you do not clip the branches at the very least, I mean, you should be kind of getting rid of the trees. But if you aren't at the very least Clipping the branches at the bottom yes. so that, one, you don't lose a ball, and, two, you can try and manoeuvre the ball out. Instead of a hook-style shot. And show, you, show us your recovery skills. Yes. That is number four, as the stupid things at golf clubs. Uh. If, if you've got trees that are 30 metres away from the, the edge of the fairway, I understand. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about clipping it too mm-hmm. much, although you probably should. But for the two steppers, for the trees that are two steps off the, edge, off the edge, clip them back, please. You don't mind a little, a narrow trunk potentially, Mark? No, it's Marco, no big deal. That you can try and hook around or slice around. That's just right. In the way you can mow around, you can do you, like you That's know. Right. These days, it looks it's good. These days, they kind of poison the grass underneath, and you, you have a bare area. It looks fantastic. It. But let us play golf. Yeah, no brand. Don't want to look for golf balls two steps off the fairway. It's stupid. Yep. All That's right. number three. That's number four. That's number four. Yeah. Uh, righto. This is hard off the top, man. Yep. <laughs> the unkept Heathland area. So uh, you know how down in, in the sand belt, mm-hmm. you've got the T yes. and you've got kind of a rough looking, you know, it's in looks between like it's, the parts that have find yeah, its that's way right. through it. Yeah. Every once in a while, one of those areas will just pop up <laughs> out of nowhere. It'll normally be on a tiny little mound. It's got nothing to do with anything. And they try and turn it into a little, like you a know, this, hazard is, type of a this is what it was in the 1920s yep. area. It's unkept. No one's even looked at it for 15 years and it's sitting there in disgrace. Yep. And it's off, it is a genuinely normally a, a crappy yeah. mound that just yes. gets in your way. Oh, it's got nothing to do with anything. The grass on it's this long. You can lose oh, your ball in it's it. It's ridiculous. Yep. I mean, just leave it as grass and mow it and then... Make a real Heathland-type area yep, somewhere. Agreed. That's in play and looks nice. Yep. Don't just leave a dodgy one out there that's, you know, 10 yards square. Agreed. In the middle of that. That, that, that is just a stupid look. Yep. So that's number three. That All is right. number three. Number two on the crap oh, things I'm, I'm going I'm harking back to my junior days here. Yeah. But the 150-metre peg or shrub. Ah, on each side. Well, you don't like that? Oh, no, just put it on the sprinkler taps for goodness sakes. It costs you a bugger all. It looks a thousand times better. Two trees, two sticks, mm-hmm. two sticks to say it's 150 metres. I mean, do everyone a favour and just put it on the sprinkler taps, please. 
It is stupid. Look after golfers. Let's let's play. So quick. you're not happy with the 200, the 150, and then the 100 marker? I don't mind them. Mm-hmm. But as long as it's not post, not a post, either side of the fairway. You know what is frustrating? It looks so bad. You know what is frustrating when you're what? trying to play one of those little punch shots from under the trees, mm-hmm. and then you smack it straight into one of those posts as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it looks so it looks so random and silly. Yeah. And number one, mm. the number one stupid, most ludicrous, dumb things you'll ever see at a golf course: garden rakes in the bunkers. Garden rakes in the bunk. <laughs> rakes that are designed for a golf course, please. Well, so you know the big green triangle ones? You know what, what are they called? Tongs? Is that what yeah. the teeth are called? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. You get these garden rakes and the tongs are like five inches long. Uh, and that encourages people to slam the tong into the yep. sand and drag it and almost rotary hoe the bunker. Yes. The last thing you want to do in bunkers is rotary hoe the bunker every time you hit a shot. Yes. A real golf course rake just slightly covers up where you've been. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't dig in. It doesn't soften bunkers. And you get a much cons- more, a much more consistent yep. sort of surface and to play out of. A nice result at the end of it. That's right. Looks good. And you, Easy. You, you don't get people playing table tennis from one side of the green <laughs> to the other and then back because the rank. You know what? Also, they're wider. So you only need one rake instead of two. Yep. It, there are so many reasons. And you've got to see these beautiful wooden ones. I played Yarra Yarra the other week. And I know Royal Melbourne have got them as well. And I think Commonwealth Golf Course also has them. They have mm-hmm. these beautiful, I don't know, it must be a cane rake. And it's a pole and they put a split in the pole and it goes out. It looks beautiful. But these rakes that they've got at Royal and Yarra Yarra, you almost want to go in the bunker so you can rake. Oh. That's how good you've they lost, are, Jules. You've lost the plot. You almost <laughs> want to go in there and test them out. But if you are a golf course uh, committeeman right now. Fork out for the proper rake. Or if you're a greenskeeper who's been looking at these stupid garden rakes in bunkers for a long time, can you just fix it? Just fix it. Get it done. It's it's just stupid. It ruins the garden garden rakes in bunkers. Ruins bunkers. Yeah, they're crap. And no one wants to use them. While we're at it, they're garbage. While we're at it, tell the punters out there how they should leave the rakes, Marco, after they're finished. Oh uh, well, now now you're really. <laughs> when I was playing pro- professionally. We would be fined 500 bucks on some tours really? if we left a rake in a bunker. Mm. And every everywhere I go, you've got to leave the rake in the bunker. It only encourages people to put it on the face and lazily throw it in. Just There's always a tongue on a bunker. Just leave the rakes in the tongues where you walk down into. Yep. Bad luck if you hit one off the tee. I mean, it never happens. It should be where you walk in the bunkers, that's where you leave the rake. That's where they go. That's where they go. Because you know what happens? People throw them into the middle of the bunker and they leave these great big marks and they've just done all this effort raking them up and they throw it in. Yep. And then you've got to walk to the bunker, uh, walk to yeah. the rake, walk to where you bought Yes. And then you've got to fill got... up twice as many footprints. That's exactly right, Jules. If it's left out of the bunker, you can just pick it up, <laughs> walk around to the shortest possible distance, Yes. hit your shot and rake up just a little bit. Without a garden rake in your hand. <laughs> Talking all the big issues on the clubhouse. Well, it drives you crazy, <laughs> Jules. And the little things on the golf course, Marco, they're important to it's address. It's always little things, mate. Yeah. It's always little things. Yes. Well, let's for starters. Let's for, for starters. Get rid of garden rakes out of golf course bunkers. They're stupid. They don't work properly. And nobody wants to use them. 
There it is. And who would have thought a garden rake in a bunker would be the number one thing that annoys Mark Allen on a golf course. Still plenty more clubhouse to come. Mark Allen taking a well-deserved week off. He'll be back next week for a fresh podcast, so tune in uh, the same time next week. Up next, though, a triple masterclass from the greatest teacher in golf on radio, Mark Allen. Stick around. Now on the clubhouse, Marco's Masterclass. Yeah, that's it. You get a free golf lesson from Mark Allen, the best teacher in golf on radio to finish the show each and every week. Now, Marco is taking a week off, as you know, if you have been listening so far this show. So we're taking a look back at some of his best masterclasses so far this year. And I've put together three right here that have certainly helped my game of golf. If you are about to play or have played this weekend, you want to improve your game of golf, listen to these next three masterclasses. We do it all for Club Mandalay Golf Course. You can play golf, play Club Mandalay. Visit clubmandalay.com.au and you can get uh, a round of golf for two people at Club Mandalay, including a motorized cart with a drink for only $79. Brilliant value from our friends at Club Mandalay. The first masterclass, a pause at the top of your swing. Take it away, Marco. Interesting watching all the players this week with US Open pressure in the background of pretty much every shot on that last day. Mm -hmm. The one thing that really stood out to me in all their pre-shots, and I'm talking all their pre-shots, was the little pause at the top in the practice swing. Now, this is very, very important because when you are under pressure, uh, if the hips go early and leave everything behind, then you are cooked. You are playing catch-up with your golf swing and you can't play catch-up with your golf swing under that sort of heat. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like, you know, when I'm watching going through Matsuyama, the practice swing he does, big pause, then come down. When I say big pause, you know, just count a beat. One, pause, two. Down you go. Um, Brooks Kepka, massive pause. Fleetwood, big pause in the play. It's just one after another after another. Now, this is one, when you're planning on pausing at the top, you slow your swing down. Mm-hmm. And two, the pause at the top actually gets everything moving together mm-hmm. as well. So if you are the sort of person who, under pressure, uh, doesn't seem to hit the ball as well as you would like, which is most people, just have a look what all these guys were doing, and the girls do it as well. You know, when you watch, well, next time you watch the girls, watch what they do in their practice swings also. So one, the pause at the top of the swing in your practice swing, you've got to go slow to achieve it. If you're going really fast and pause, it just doesn't feel right. But two, it sinks everything up when you're coming down. You know, the hip should still fire slightly yep. first mm-hmm. before everything else. But if it if you're out of control, if you have a feeling where you are out of control on the pressure, or you know a lot of people that get their round going and they get off to a great start, and then the expectation, and before they know it, they're out of control. For those types of players, try it in your practice swing before you play. A slight pause at the top in your practice swing, then try and replicate when you're actually playing the game. Our next masterclass from Mark Allen from earlier on this season is to stop that annoying fade or slice. It's a simple trick. Mark Allen has the answer. Take a listen. So you're slicing it off the tee well, or I'm, fading it off the tee too much? I think I'm fading it too much. Probably not quite there at a slice right. yet, but I'm trying to keep that club face open yep. through impact because it's going to fade it in yep. a better, more consistent swing. Yep. But I feel like sometimes it gets away from me. Yeah. And okay. you're trying to just hit it slightly down the left side of the fairway to bring it back in, but then your ball's going. Whoosh, well, you just showed me right. your setup um, here in the studio, and you do what 98% of players who play once a week do. Mm-hmm. And that is when you move the ball forward to hit your driver, you face the ball 
squarely with your shoulders, which makes your shoulders open. So if you've got open shoulders at address, the club head's going to come from out to in. Yep. It's very, very hard to actually hit draws with open shoulders. Next time we watch Sergio Garcia play, he, he actually has closed shoulders to where his feet are. And that's what I want you to do. And then if the ball starts going to the right, then use your steering wheel, which is the top hand on your grip, mm-hmm. and get the top hand more on top. But I absolutely guarantee, folks, I absolutely guarantee, everyone puts the ball in the middle when they hit their irons, and when they face the, that middle of, the, of their stance with their shoulders, it's much squarer. When you put the ball forward up near your left foot or should be just on the inside of your left heel, you face that because you're looking at it and your shoulders open up. Open shoulders, can't hit draws, should only hit fades. So if you're trying to fade it with open shoulders, you're cooked. It's going to go and too your, far. your little three-yard fade over 250 metres mm-hmm. will turn into a 15 or 30-yard fade. That's right. We, just really quickly because we're going to get out of here. That little steering hand thing you mentioned yeah, yeah. at the top of the hand. Yeah, Tell us hand. about that quickly. Uh, well, that's, so if you're a right-hander. If you're a right-hander, your, yep. le- your left hand is going to be the top hand. Yep. Put your hand, rotate it mm, rotate it to where your palm is more on top of the club. Yeah. And that is your steering wheel. So if you're, if you're fading too much, it's normally because your thumb points straight down the shaft. Yep. Your thumb shouldn't be straight down the shaft. It should be on the side mm-hmm. for most people. Pros... Because they've hit millions and millions of balls and their club head moves so quickly, they have the thumb straight down the shaft, some of them. Yep. But most amateurs, the palm should be more on top of the club. Yep. With their top Rotated hand more on the top. Right yep. That's for right you should, and if you're wearing a watch on your left hand, on your yep. left, you should be able to see what time it is. You should. I can see that. Yep. Right there. You should be able to see what time it is if you're wearing a watch. Ooh. And our final masterclass from Mark Allen today playing out of the deep rough. How do you do it? How do you fix it? And a little bit of a trick. From the bunker, Mark Allen with this week's Marco's Masterclass. We saw some great super slow-mo shots of players hitting out a deep rough. Yeah. How they were able to get it close. Yes. The ball obviously then rolls out towards the green. They were so good at it. And I saw hands staying forward and all this yeah. sort of stuff. And I thought, I'll come in and I'll ask Marco, when you're deep in the rough and you need to get your ball out of it, either hack it out yeah. or you've got a kind of a decent lie, how do you do it? Right, yeah. Are we talking about just hacking out back on the fairway or hacking out onto the green? I want to know both. Both, right. Hacking out onto the fairway, ball goes back in the stance, grip down as far as you can, probably mm-hmm. have your thumb and forefinger of your bottom hand on the steel, mm-hmm. break your wrists and just chop down on it as hard as you possibly can with like a pitching wedge or a sand wedge or your lob wedge. Yep. That's all you can do. Now, if you're in the long grass around the green and you want something to pop out, and drift close, it's exactly like a bunker shot. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to make the ball come out of the rough and bounce to the right, an off-spinner, if you're a right-hander. Or if you're a left-hander, think about the left-hand bowler, you're going to hit the off-spinner. Yep. So you've got to cut across the ball. Long, loose swing and cut across the ball and try and make the ball spin so it kicks to the right when it lands on the green. And the curved sole, the, the sole's curved two ways these days from toe to heel and also from front to back but the curved sole from toe to heel from heel to toe that acts as bounce as well and that's why it works so beautifully when you try and cut across the ball you won't dig down nice big long swing you'll come down sharper on the ball there'll be less grass in between the club and the ball and you'll get some kind of contact but you've got to have the club moving quickly to cut through all the grass so you try and do a nice little one it's not going to cut through the grass. No. So you've got to find a way of making a big swing cutting through the grass and having the ball just pop up. And yep. the only way you can do that 
is to cut across it as much as you possibly can. Try and make the ball bounce to the right or spin to the right when it hits the green. They never do because you're in thick rough, but try and make it happen anyway. Try and do it if you can. Yeah, try and make it happen anyway. Nice. Too easy. There you go. That's a great way of playing bunker shots too. I'll throw this in. Yep. If you are not trying to make the ball land and spin to the right Mm -hmm. in your bunker shots, you're doing it wrong. You're doing the wrong thing. Make it spin to the right. It's it's an easy one. Yep. It's an easy one. That makes you aim left. It makes you cut across the ball. It makes you do everything that you're supposed to do. Table tennis style, Mark. Table tennis style. Make it spin to the right. There it is, a triple treat from Mark Allen for this week's Masterclass, and we do it all for Club Mandalay. Play golf at Club Mandalay. It's great golf in Melbourne's north. Mark Allen will be back next week. We'll be back with a new live show. If you do miss any of the show, you can always download the podcast. Just search for The Clubhouse on iTunes, and you can download each and every show. It's been great to have your company today. We'll be back. We'll see you at the same time next week.